welcome back to another episode of the Genius Review Podcast. This is your host, Charlie Radio Williams. And this is Sean Luke. Welcome back, welcome, welcome back to another, another episode of the Genius Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the G's for Geek podcast. I'm your host. What are you doing over there? Uh, what? what, are you, what are you oh, we're doing? on. Yes, we are on. We are um, on. Why are you? You're um, such a savage. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. All right, Geektopians. Normally, this is where I do the introduction, but I'm going to have to pause for a minute. For those who are listening, I need to describe to you what's happening. Sean just had his mighty festival. Um, it's like a doggy dish uh that he just had whatever he scrapped together and he literally just devoured it before you guys before we came on um what do you have yeah, to say I'm, for yourself I, i'm hungry i'm not i don't apologize for nothing shoo did you i do not you, apologize for anything did you bring any for the geektopians um maybe later on not now i mean obviously i'm i'm in my shack you're so selfish. you know, I can't necessarily give people food. Maybe next time I'll You're give selfish. everyone free cookies. You're selfish. Just want to let that be said. You're selfish. Now, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to n- another episode of G's for Geek Podcast. I'm your host Charlie Radio Williams, and this is Sean Luke, and this is episode 41. Yes, we finally made it into the 40s. Uh, last episode we had on Tone. This episode we have two new guests. This is going to be a double hitter. Uh, we have A.A. Ruben. Oh, Art. Oh, wow. I am butchering names. Butchering. Just spoke to them before I sent them to the green room. We have A.A. Ruben and Chris Burgess from uh, CBS, the comic book school. You're not going to jump in on me there? You're not going to add anything? No, go ahead. Let them come in. This is this oh. this is a double. Yo, listen, we got two very talented individuals coming in. I'd rather get it started right away. All right, so let's bring them in. All right, so we're going to bring them in, and then we're going to do what we normally do, and uh, we're going to get rid of that guy right there because uh, it's not really important that we have him on. And um, Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Um, wait, Hi. let me bring him back in. Oh, there he goes. Okay, there we go. Oh, sorry about that, Sean. My bad. Uh-huh. Really you better, you better hope I never get the power. Ooh, the power to uh, turn people off? Yeah, um, I already have that part. But anyway, um, yeah. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I just go ahead and insulted myself. But how you do- how are you guys doing? Uh, thank you very much for having us. All right. Uh, this this is this sounds like it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for yeah, making it, me hungry. But let's. Oh, geez. Yeah, no. I apologize. I do apologize. It's OK. You're selfish. We know. Wow. <laughs> Just really selfish. Uh, heads up, we are we have been known to be like a married couple. Um, just want to set the stage, let you know. Um, Sean is the aggressor here, and um, I'm more of the you know the peaceful one. But um, is it peaceful yeah. or is it submissive? Oh, <laughs> would, would I think? Okay, so I'm going to go there. I, I guess we're going to start with the rant, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, as I am secure with my, um, self, um, I think I would, I'm more of a bear. People always say I'm the bear and I'm like, you know, I can see that. I can see I'm the bear. 
you know, Sean's not my type. He, you know, he, he's too excuse much. Excuse me, excuse me. As the, as the title reads, I am the Latin lover. I am Latin everyone's lover. type. You are a heartbreaker. You're a heartbreaker. Uh, you crush hearts. Well, considering the text I got earlier, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, what's this text that you got earlier? Oh, uh, somebody geek- cursing me out because I never called or texted him back. But it's whatever. The Geektopians want to know more. Don't, don't no, you? No, we got two guests here. We ain't got time for that. Oh, see. <laughs> ain't nobody Ruin- got time for that. All right. All right. Ruin- ruining it so far. Okay, guys. How are you guys doing? Let's just start off with some simple questions here. How are you both doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Nobody cares about us. No, we're, 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 focused, we're focused on you guys. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I, I, I'm doing. I'm doing fantabulous. All right. Uh, had a, had a solid day, uh, work day, and uh, I'm, I'm I got home. Made sure I got here in time so I can hit you guys up on this. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just feeling life. Oh, that's good. Respect, that's good. respect, dude. Uh, it's a, it's a today. I felt like it was a very long, drawn out day, but I'm glad that we're all here. So I'm going to jump into my official first question, right? Uh, you guys may have never heard this question before, but I think um, for okay. all dramatic... Wait, yeah, I got to make it real dramatic. For all dramatic purposes, I'll start with you first, Chris. Are you ready? Hit me. You don't seem ready. You seem like you're... you're... I, I, I stay laid back when I'm ready. I'm, I'm, all right. I'm good. I'm, I'm cool. Nice. All right, this is going to be very simple. Who is... Chris Burgos. All right, there's, there's you, a, you, you already paused there. Look at that. There, there's the gamer thing. <laughs> see, see, see what I just did. I, I'm gonna go from like where I'm sitting right now with the cool back, cool, relaxed, to lay back. I'm going to the edge of my seat now because I feel like you gave me a question <laughs> that's like, all right, I gotta sit up so I can answer right and press the right buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fun guy. Um, I uh, I'm a writer. And uh, I am a storyteller, and I'm an all-around uh, clown. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's something uh, that I've been doing for years since birth. Uh, I, I tend to think that I've been telling stories and you know joking around and having fun. And uh, yeah, as of this point in time, I am currently also a martial arts instructor. Uh, my my full-time real gig uh, during the day uh, and at night is when I turn into my you know comic writer mode. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how, how deep you want. It. How deep? I mean, how how deep are you willing to go? I mean, we could do. Oh a therapy. my god, guys! We, this we is can, a family show. Yeah, yeah, but we can we can do a, a a deep talk therapy. Come on, Sean. Come on. You, you know, know? If, if the questions come, I can I can facilitate. I can facilitate. We, we, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much me in a bucket. I'm, okay. I like I like you know telling stories and uh, having fun. How how often do you get asked who is Chris Burgos? I like your name. Oh, thank you, thank you. Are you ready for this? Yes. My name was almost Conan. Oh, what? Like, hold up, that's right. And not after you know, I'm 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 not you know a baby. Um, I've been around for a minute, and so this was before Conan, you know, O'Brien. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> my dad was my dad was like seriously about to try to get me to be called like Conan, as in the Barbarian. And my mom was not having it. And she was like, you are not naming our kid Conan the Barbarian. There's something wrong with you. And my dad, he, he gave in, but it was almost Conan. I was like, you know what? That would have been real dope. But Chris with a K, I'm actually Christopher with, uh, you know, PH, not an F. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I ended up. And uh, for those that don't know, 
uh, Burgos is I. If if there's any historians out there that I butcher this, okay. this is what I've been told my whole life. Burgos is the second largest city in Spain. Used to be the former capital of the country way back when, and so Burgos is actually a really uh, you know regal name. So there, if you like my name, okay, there. <laughs> all right. So now, all right. Before I jump to you, uh, AA, uh, Ruben, Ari, I'm all over the place. I gotta stop that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris, I have to ask you a question. Uh-oh. I think the Geetopians want to know this, right? One, can I can I talk to your dad for a moment? Just want to look at the screen and talk to your dad for a moment. Okay, it's, it's just talking to him. All right. <laughs> Mr. 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 Burgess, Conan, awesome name. We get it. You didn't get away with it. But you could have gave it to him as a nickname. Can you imagine your son in school? That could have been his middle name. Yeah, imagine your son in school. Conan Burgos, that's perfect. Yeah, your son in school, walking up to the ladies. What's your name? Conan. Just awesome. Yeah. Conan. We're watching you, Dad. We're watching you. Thank you. I I believe he felt that. He felt, he definitely felt that. I'm happy he felt that. (laughs) You know, I hope one day when you come over to the house, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, he's like, hey, Conan. And And you just... You get, the, you get that glimmer. The glimmer in his eye. Yeah, you know? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's right. But now on, between me and you, father to son, Conan. You know? He holds it. I, I will accept that, and I will definitely take it. As All long right. as it's yeah. Conan with a K. With a K. Ooh, it, ooh, ooh, now you're into uncharted ooh, territory right there. Mm, okay. Mm. Okay. But that's kind of yeah. suave, isn't it? Like, yeah. like you walk in a room, somebody's like, hey, what's your name? What's that guy's name? He's like, Conan. Pause for a minute with a K. Okay. You see how you see how that, that just comes across? I do that as it is now. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's your name? I'm like, Chris. Nah, but see, Chris, see, Chris is your like daytime Bruce Wayne. Oh, so this is gonna be my Latin lover uh name. Yeah, yes. pretty much, yeah. Because yeah. Okay. this is what he's saying. Good. Yeah. When you're at cons, when you're at cons, there's gonna be those who are like, oh, that's Chris Burgess, writer, creator. But then everybody else in the scene is gonna be like, yo, that's Conan. With a K, you see how you see how how smooth that is. That's that's you're at the bar. Can we, can we continue? Right. <laughs> I'm gonna get you a shirt that says Conan with a K on the back. Yeah. Oh lord. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 spoken to you before, but I'm gonna ask you the same question in the same format. Who is A A Ruben? Uh, a A Ruben is a writer, a teacher. Also a martial artist, mm-hmm. a father, um, and um, you know, it's actually a pen name, but it's my real name. So that's okay. interesting. My real name's Ari Alexander Rubin, but it got shortened to AA Rubin for uh, search engine optimization purposes. Um, but um, like Chris, I've been doing martial arts my whole life. I'm my day job, a high school English teacher, although I'm on childcare leave now to take care of my son. Uh, my father wanted to name me Ezekiel. Um, That's another good name. Because, That's a great name. Because in the Bible, um, in the book of Ezekiel, whenever like God is mad at Ezekiel a lot, and whenever he's mad at him, he goes, son of man, and he yells at him. And uh, he wanted to be able to do that whenever he was mad at me. My mom also said no. Um, <laughs> didn't stop him, by the way, when he was mad to say that. Like She should have known. But... Um, Actually, so my name actually, real name Ari actually means lion. 
in Hebrew. Mm. So um, it's actually a regal name as well, I guess. Um, And, um, you know, I, um, I, right now I take care of my kids a lot of times during the day and then I write and create and do that kind of thing at night and uh, try to hold it all together. Real quick, so, your answer was a lot more put together than my answer. That's because I <laughs> like, had to think like, about it. You did, you did. You, uh, I, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's all right. I gave you the advantage. Yeah. I gave you the advantage. But, but, so, but that was good. So, wait, before I, I just need to ask, right? Charles, I need <clears> to ask, <throat> is, is your name based off of your uh, what your father's request was or your mother's? Who, radio or? No, Charlie. <laughs> oh. Radio. Um. <laughs> So my name is weird. Uh, my mom wanted to name me Lorenzo uh, after my dad. Uh, and what happened was, this is going to sound really horrible. My aunt, who uh, I don't know if anybody in my family is watching this. I hope not. My aunt named her son Lorenzo. I've never questioned that. But because <laughs> when I tell this, when I tell this story, that that part always like as I get older, I'm family like, yeah. drama. drama. I am sorry so, I brought this up. Oh, um, let me get the popcorn out. And then I have, and then the weird story to it is, uh, I I, I don't want to butcher this. Um, Michael Michael Landon played a character on Little House in the Prairie named Charles Ingalls. Yes, I hope I correct right. So my mom, who was who really loved Michael Landon when he played little Joe um, on Bonanza. And then she followed him when he played on highway to heaven. She liked the name. She liked the name Charles uh, Ingalls when he was on little house in the Prairie. So when she had me, she named me Charles. Yeah. Okay. But if it was up to me, I would be like a GI Joe character and I would have a name like Falcon. If it was up to me. Guys. Yeah. Like silver wolf. I don't know. GI Joe was just fun as a kid. I just always wanted to watch it. What I don't, I you know what? I'm an 80s baby and I was not allowed to watch G.I. Joe, it's the gun violence. Oh, you know what? We, we had the same thing, we had the same thing, Chris. I wasn't allowed to have the toys. And when my friends played G.I. Joe, came over to my house, brought their G.I. Joes, I had to do two things I had to make, I had plenty of Legos and I built uh-huh. the ships with the guns and the lasers and all that kind of thing. And my dad would ask me, what kind of ship is that? You buy, I said, Oh, yeah, that's a mining ship, that big laser is like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, and this is how we become writers because we have to. Uh, you have to be creative you know, to hide stuff from your parents. Yeah, yeah. 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 Geektopians, no, I... I just want to skip Geektopians. The perfect excuse for this would have been, "Hey, mom, before you get mad at the idea of guns, like the A team, they shoot a lot, but nobody ever gets hit. No one. No <laughs> one ever gets hit. No, no one." Occasionally, a co- a cobra grunt would get hit. No, yeah, you know, oh, shirt. robots, yeah, shirt. yeah, pretty much, yeah. You know? But they wouldn't die; like they'd just be on the ground, unconscious from the uh, laser hit. Uh, or, or the better comparison would be like, "Mom, it's like watching a movie about stormtroopers. Yeah, Whole lot of shooting, movie. no one getting shot." Yeah, yeah. No. All right, so based on your answer, I can officially say that I'm the only person in this room that my father actually got to name. Latin lover. Okay. No. So your dad named you Latin lover. He saw you at birth, and he was like... I mean, he does call me a whore from time to time, but not for that reason. Your okay? birth was like the Lion King. Like, your dad held you up. You know, he took a swipe of the blood, put it on your forehead. You know, and he was like, my son. The whore? Like... The Latin lover. 
This is this is what we do, guys. I apologize yes. in advance. Yeah. Don't apologize. They they knew what they were getting into. All right. I told them to listen to the show. This is this is what's gonna happen. This was all right. We'll move to the second question. All right. <clears throat> Ari's I will, going first. I, I'm gonna start this one with Ari first. All right, Ari. <laughs> what are the pros and cons? All right, so I'm going to read this the way I wrote it first because originally this was for Chris, but then I'm going to change it. Uh, original question was, uh, what are the pros and cons of being Chris Burgess? But we're just going to say, Ari, what is the pros and cons of being Ari? The pros and cons of being me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say that the uh, the pros of being me is that I never forgot how to play. Okay. And um, be, being creative being, um, you know, being a writer, but also being a teacher, being a father and all that. It it's all involves creativity. And I feel like one of the biggest, like, I feel spreadsheet, Chris is going to be mad at me because he's the project manager for uh, comic book school and he has to be involved in all those kinds of things. But like a spreadsheet looks like a jail to me. It's just oh. straight bars. Like, I just, I need, you know, chaos. You got to thrive in chaos you got to surf the wave of entropy, you know, write it out. You can't. One thing I learned in physics, I'm not very good at physics, but chemistry. Like one thing I learned in chemistry was uh, entropy is inevitable. You might as well surf it out, you know. So you get you get that kind of thing with me. The cons being me, I overthink things. Um, Analytical. I, uh, yeah. Um, and um, I will, I see, like I see my own plot holes. I see everything like um i makes it very difficult to uh to get things like for me to actually get over my inertia and get things going is is difficult it takes me a long time to get started um on something i need to um i I do tend to overthink things a lot and um you know i would say that's probably probably the biggest con and and chris conan same 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 question what are the pros and cons of being chris the conan can we add a the there the conan i know oh you're gonna do it (laughs) i mean no no you know what you know what it's it's all good do whatever you want because i like it anyway it's it's cool chris to feel warm Um, (laughs) i see you at nycc 20 this year like hey that's a is that, Chris, is that Conan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> people are gonna be like, people are like, is that Paul Bryan? No, 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 with the K. That that's yeah. gonna be the uh, the draw at the comic school yeah. booth in uh, in Artist Alley is gonna be. Yeah. We have Conan. We got Conan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand there all stoic and and stuff with like a mass. I'm gonna get one of massive swords yeah. and like an axe. And one of the other vendors that you know is obviously selling them like around NYCC. I'm just gonna stand there with them and be like, what? What? Well, and that's why you, you have to add the, the the in front now. Yeah. You have to add the the, so you stand out. Okay. All right. So, um, so same question. What are the pros and cons of being Chris Burgess? Uh, what stinks about this question is that Ari did go first, and mine's going to sound very similar. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, I had time to think about it, but I'm like, it's, I'm the same damn person. Um. <laughs> You know what? It's, I, I like to have fun too. I like to play. I like to be creative. Uh, that is that is definitely the pro. Uh, the pro is I'm a child at heart, um, and I, I do my absolute best to not take too much seriously. 
when I want to get serious and do things, I can still be creative and I can still think outside the box and I can still, you know, go out there with my ideas and everything. Uh, and it's not just like with writing, it's pretty much with anything. Um, I, I, I like to think outside the box for a lot of stuff. Um, and it kind of keeps me like, I know that Ari said, you know, um, you're not a fan of the, the structure. I'm actually not a fan of the structure either. I force it on myself, but I know it's going to like completely turn to nothing. And uh, structures for me, you get very chaotic. Uh, and so the cons for me uh, are knowing that I can let things fall apart. Um, and I, yeah, if I let things fall apart, it, it could be, I, I can turn things into a chaotic situation pretty quickly. Um, the cool thing is, is that go, you go back to my pros, it's like, I'm very creative. So once chaos does hit me, I can pick things right up. I can get right back into, you know, feeling good about stuff and, you know, put myself in a situation where, uh, I can turn it into a positive. Okay. Yeah. So this next question is actually for both of you, and it's going to be a runoff of what you guys both said. So, uh, and it's going to be a two part. So the first one is your similarities in the sense of imagination, something that even myself as a, as a person who is, who titles and so as an artist, whether if it's illustrating or just being in mixed medium, I never understood as I was getting older, why is it that for some adults, they lose their imagination or it seems like adults lose their imagination. And I started realizing that more creative people, in my opinion, have a sense of imagination because it ties in to that, that uh, uniqueness gift, whether if it's dance music. So in your guys, like perspective, like, why do you think like we, like some adults kind of lose that perspective of what is imagination? See, that was a hard hitting question. That was a deep one. Uh, it was deep. You, yeah. you want an R or you want me to go first? Uh, I went first last time, Chris. It's your turn. Right, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. All right. So you can give me the hard ones. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a counter, I'm a counter puncher by style. I like to wish. <laughs> feel, free, feel free to use movies like Hook and all of them, you know, for visual references. Ari, Ari's going to uh, wait until you go and he's going to be like, uh, your judge, I have a rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, um, it's, it's really sad that I kind of think that's the truth, too, how, like, a lot of people, they tend to look at life uh, as they get older and more mature. Uh, they tend to think that everything's on the line, like their livelihood, their, uh, you know, whether or not they're making a paycheck, uh, they're paying for mortgages, cars, whatever, and they take things very seriously. And a lot of people, because of that, they're so focused in and dialed in on, you know, what they need to survive and keep a, keep life good or well for themselves or not. They do lose a lot of that magic touch, uh, in my opinion. All right. This coming from a 36 year old who, you know, just got married last year or whatnot. Um, I, I do believe that the maturity, uh, causes some level of creativity to go out the window. That being said though, for the people that are creative, the people that can still connect to their creative side, I tend to think that that comes from uh, having an overactive brain, honestly, an overactive mind, 
uh, if you think of something like you look at you look at a lot of creatives, artists, writers, whatever, uh, musicians, they'll see something happen, and they can visualize in their head consequences, or they'll visualize in their head what if this happens to that person while that's going on right now, or oh man, oh like that game that people play, uh, I think they I don't know why they play it, like airport or whatever, and they'll they're looking at everyone else at the airport sitting around, it's like oh where's that person going. And they're all like got their gear and their pack. It's like, oh, well, that person, they're definitely off to go fight the wolves in, the, in Alaska. So, you know, and they, they think of crazy, stupid stories, but it's like, oh, I'm picturing what's going on for that person. And so if you've got that active mind and you're constantly looking at everything around you and not necessarily analyzing it, but thinking about the world behind it, mm-hmm. Um, that tends to lead to a lot of creativity. And there are some people that just don't care. They're just like, oh, that person, that's just a person sitting there. It's like, doesn't matter. It's like, they're, they're not bothering me. I'm not bothering them, whatever. But like an artist or a creative in general, they were like, that person sitting there, they've had a dark history. They're ready to go out and kill somebody. You can see it on, you can see it on their shoulder, you know? <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. yeah. It's not I nice to talk about my psycho ex like that. Yeah. <laughs> you read a lot of Chris's work. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of that dark uh, stuff like going it. on. I, yeah. I, I like it dark. I like it dark. But I like you know unicorns, especially when you're wrestling them. See, I can see it now. Like, like late at night, you're typing in. You're in the room typing. The lights off. Your wife comes in, turns on the light. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy. Know, easy. Like, so then um i would i would say though that that a lot of it comes from as people get older and i see this a lot of times as as a teacher also is that people want to uh conform and then they're afraid to be different than everybody else and they're afraid of afraid of the consequences and even as they get older even the non-conformists start conforming so you know you're going to be a nonconformist. You're going to be. I had a. I had a professor in college. He, he a literature professor. He was. Uh, his name was Edward Mendelssohn. He was. He was uh, the literary executor of uh, the poet Autumn's estate, um, and he used to say this all the time. It's like you get these people. They come into my class and they think they're nonconformists, but all the goths dress like the other goths, and all the punks dress like the other punks, and all the artists and the poets they got the the hat mm-hmm. and everybody. Everybody, even when you're nonconforming, you're conforming. Like people at some point they want to fit in and they want to, you know, they get the job and they're worried about, you know, how they got to dress at the job, how they got to act and um, among their peer group and all this other kind of, you know, all this stuff, and they forget to be themselves and and they start defining themselves based off of external things rather than internal things. You know, if if I'm going to go there. And I think that um, creative people, and I think this is where a lot of the anxiety with creative people comes in because it's a a lonely thing when you're writing. You know, it's the the read a thing or or you're drawing or making music or whatever whatever you're doing. Um, People say that, yes, we want to communicate with uh, millions of people by locking ourselves in the room for our entire life to write a, uh, you know, to write the great American novel and never speak to anyone, you know. So there's that. A disconnect between between that aloneness and then that need for community or that need for, for acceptance and when things like you know you get things like peer pressure and you get things like and even within like like you read 
about you know advice given to creative people and it's all the same and, and like 80 percent of it is telling you to do the same thing and you know what if you write like everybody else if you follow the other advice and you write like everybody else you're going to end up sounding like everybody else you know you paint like everybody else you're going to look like you know your stuff going to look like everybody else you know you want to be picasso is going to look different right you think about someone's art who becomes that person they're they're going to be different at some point they learn how to do it like everybody else at some point right you, you have to learn the technique and you got to learn the skills and all that kind of stuff but you also have to dare to be you and, and to follow your vision and, and it's not just it's creative people not just in artistic fields but like albert einstein said that imagination was the most important um most important thing and if you think right he came up with a theory that that thought about the world and the universe in a way that nobody else thought of it and he would hang out with artists. I saw recently um, he liked uh, Alexander Calder, who was a oh, who was... artist. I'd say the guy who made the mobiles. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a show of Calders in the uh, in the MoMA over the summer. And there was one piece called The Universe that he made that the, the that was these two spheres and they rotate around each other around the circle thing. And it said on the gallery card, like if you read it, it said, Albert Einstein saw it and he said, I wish I thought of that. You know, mm. he, he was trying to get into that that artist mindset as well. And I think that that's it. Like you have to you have to be in touch with the world or you know, your stuff, you know, you want to be relevant. But at the same time, I feel like people people give in to peer pressure and they give in to conformity even when they think they're rebelling. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people from being creative. They're they're scared to be. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that that's a part of our society? Because I know like uh, something that I learned in junior high school is no matter how much you want to break away from society, you're always a part of society. You can never break away from the, the, the whole, from the collective. So do you think that it's more of the way that our society norm is that we, that there's always, as much as we want to be unique, we're always following a generic trope. Um, <laughs> no, Sean, you can answer. You can answer that yeah. too, Sean. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, my question was going to be a lot deeper than that. My oh. question was, in this society as it stands now, with the fact of people even being people of nonconformity being conformists, what, as far as artists are concerned, what is the definition of individuality then? You know, you just have to. It's like you know, you know it when you you know you got to know it yourself. You got to be true to yourself. You know, I, I had a friend. Um, years ago, I a friend, and he was um, he was this, he was like the original goth, like that. That's that's who he was. And at some point in the early two thousands, that became really trendy, and everyone else started to dress like him and look like him and all that all that kind mm. of stuff. Listen to the same music he was listening to because it had its moment where it became popular. And he said, you know, to stop doing it now because it's popular, it'd be just as bad as to start doing it because it was popular. You know, so, you know, you just got to be yourself and, you know, don't, you know, it'll get there. It'll get there eventually, you know, um, you're aware of it. And that I think that's why so many creative people have anxiety about it. And that's also one of the great things about, you know, about what we have with, with comic book school also is that but with the message boards and with, with the community that we have you can connect with other people and you can connect with other people who are 
also creative, who are also doing the same thing. And even if they're not, even if they're telling completely different types of stories than you are, even if their art style is completely different from yours, you are, you know, you are going through the same thing that they are Mm. in in your own way so that you find yourself a community. It forces people together from these different corners where they might be conforming as non-conforming, but then they're forced to encounter somebody else who might be doing something different. And then that might make you see things in a different way. You know? So I do have this question because I thought about Wait, this. let Chris answer oh. too. No, 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 no. He did it good. He did a really no, good job. I, I completely I... agree. And I confirm. <laughs> okay. He put the check. No. Yeah. I, I would I would send myself to the back, but you know, power. No. <laughs> <laughs> um gee, after, oh, so what I was gonna say is so something that I I struggled with a few years ago. because uh, I, I I I come to terms with my own illustration style. Um, is that, and I think in the relation of like conformity versus identity, that when you're an artist, you tend to deal with that idea of identity through your artwork because you're around other people and you're either soaking up what they do or you're soaking up the work that, um, that people who inspire you do. And slowly from the back of your head to the front of your head, you start to think, well, what is my own style? And I think the reason that question comes up is because behind that question, you're actually asking, what is my identity? But from a creative level. So have you guys ever experienced that with your own work, whether if it's writing or illustrating? Have you ever experienced that 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 thought where you're like, what is my identity in my artwork and re- found yourself relating it to your own personal lives? Hmm. Uh, every day. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I, I tend to follow, um, some of my favorite, absolute favorite writers are like Robert E. Howard, which is why I love Conan. Um, uh, I love Stephen R. Donaldson, uh, Tolkien. Um, I, I think for writers, especially you have to read and you have to understand what's going on in the world. Uh, as far as the world of literature, whatever whatever genre you're into or whatnot. Um, and being able to absorb various styles and, uh, you know, absorb different um, idea perspectives and how to tell a story, it has to mold you uh, as an individual on its own. But then branching off is harder, in my opinion, uh, to become an ind- individual is harder for a writer than it is for an artist. And I'm not an artist, but I'm gonna defend that statement. So y'all get ready, all right? Um, <laughs> as an artist, okay, you look at someone like, uh, uh, shoot, let's look at anybody that came after Ditko or, right. anyone, that, or anyone that came after, uh, you know, King, Jack Kirby, all right? Everyone had those guys to, you know, be inspired by for an artist you are inspired by somebody's artwork you kind of and uh, you kind of like do something similar then it's like okay well what if i jazzed up a little bit of this and the the what you do to it to make it your own is kind of accepted as a stylistic change that's through a visual medium 
Okay. Okay. And there's no rules against it. You can't say that's wrong because visually it looks different and it has a funky look to it. And it might not be the exact same thing as like Rob Liefeld, but that those chests and shoulders and everything, you know, you look in brolic. So you know how to draw the human, uh, the human body. It's only wrong if the person's got, you know, 16 abs as opposed to eight or six. With writing, it's harder to do that because there are rules to writing. Mm -hmm. And the, the rules to writing, a lot of people feel have to be conformed to uh, in the way that you write. I, I feel like I'm starting to babble a little bit, but it's like when it comes to writing, I feel like that uh, having your own style is more along how you place the words together and how it sounds as you read it and how it sounds coming into your head. And it's more of like a understanding thing than it is a visual, um, you know, triggering like art, uh, like traditional art is. Does that make sense? No, that, that does make. Yeah. yeah don't listen. Yeah. Speak your mind. Say what you got to say. We're here to hug and cherish you no matter what you say. Right, right. And, and I'm, I'm looking at Ari right now. I'm just like, Ari, um, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm wrong. Because he is, you know, he's a teacher and he teaches this kind of stuff. And it's, it's like, there's, there's I, no, I, no. I, what? I that that, um, you know, they, they always tell you in, in England, the, the joke about English class, there's no wrong answers in English class. That's actually not true. There are wrong answers in English <laughs> there class. Are. But there are many, right, but but there are many right answers too. So the difference is there's not just one right answer. There there's many right answers, and, um, you know, I think that that the problem a lot of people have with style is that they don't read outside their genre, or that they don't they don't read widely enough or listen widely enough. Um, and when someone comes in that's original, often they're bringing things from another tradition. Um, a different, um, either a different background, a different, a different literary tradition, a different cultural tradition, different experience that they have that people may not have, may not have read before. But, but I think that that it is possible to develop a unique style, and there are writers who are who are known for their style, even who are writing writing it like you take like a, a Hemingway and a Faulkner, right? That they're known for the for their they're opposite styles, right? At the same time, or Hemingway and a, and a Fitzgerald, right? Who who are um, very di very different from each other, even though they're writing at the same time. Um, you get people who, you know, I read a Kurt Vonnegut novel, and I know it's a Kurt Vonnegut novel. I don't have to read the title on the page. I read a Charles Dickens novel. I know that's a Charles Dickens novel. I'm not going to mistake. A Charles Dickens novel for for a Kurt Vonnegut novel. I think that there's a few hundred, you know, time periods different. But I'm not going to mistake, say, a Charles Dickens novel for a Jane Austen novel either. You know, mm -hmm. even though they're written roughly around the same time, um, there are ways to make your you know writing unique. And there are you know, people have you you get these, you know, you get people who don't write like everybody else, and you get you get people who who can write. And, and the thing is, it's hard to do that because it takes a long time. Usually they don't do that right away. Usually what happens is they write like everybody else until they don't. And then eventually as their art goes on, they become a caricature of themselves. Mm. They're like too much like themselves. And it becomes kind of, you know, they become a cliche of their own thing that made them unique. 
Okay. Um, you see that you see that all the time. You see somebody like, you know, going back, get you know, I'm still staying in, in literature for, for now, but like someone like James Joyce, where you read his early stuff, like his Dubliners, they're really good short stories, they're very conventional. You read something like Ulysses, then it's like this great everybody saying it was one of the top books of the, of the century. It's completely unique. No one ever done anything like that before. It's all these different styles and everything like that. And then you get Finne- Finnegan's Wake and it's completely incomprehensible. I don't care what anyone says. Like you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't have to read. You shouldn't have to read five books as long as the book you're reading just to understand what's going on. Like that, that shouldn't happen because 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 the problem is you become too much of yourself. Like, mm. and I think it, it, happen, it happens in comics too. You get something like like Alan Moore, you know, and you know, there's there was there's a period of greatness, and then you have to live up to that, right? And there's a period before that too where he wasn't as unconventional, right? And then you right. got his like golden era where you have like Watchmen and V for Vendetta and all V for yeah, Vendetta yeah. and all the stuff Something. everybody knows, you know. And then it gets right, whatever happens to him happens and um, you know, it's not the it's not the same anymore. I still think it's really interesting. Like his his prose novel, Jerusalem, that was, you know, the longest novel in English, was like the fourth longest novel in any language ever written, I think, by the time he was done. I thought that was really interesting. I enjoyed reading it, but it's not going to be the same like thing like like Watchmen was, right? Eventually, right. you become, you know, it's hard to keep that up. But I think a lot of people, what they do is they try to they try to level jump, right? Okay. Um, you know, Picasso said, "You want me to teach you to paint like me, right?" And he's someone who had an individual style. He's like, first learn how to paint traditionally, mm. and then. Mm after you know all that technique, then I could teach you what I'm actually doing because you won't really get it until you know. And then people start trying to, you know, to paint like that. Or, um, you know, Chris, sorry, always always confuses me on the cameras here. Um, (laughs) um, Chris, also a martial artist. And one of the martial arts that I study is Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's martial art. And Bruce Lee moving beyond form and moving beyond the traditional styles. And I've read a lot of his stuff and people misinterpret it, right? They say, oh, it means, you know, no style, right? To have, to have no style. You can't break the style until you have a style to break, right? You need, like, in the beginning, he was doing Wing Chun with a very traditional style. Mm-hmm. He, certain experiences in his life showed him certain weaknesses in what he was doing. And he starts researching other styles. And he learns from the best people. I mean, he happened to have the celebrity where he had access to the best people in other styles. So he goes and he wants to learn. It's like, hey, those Taekwondo guys have really good kicks. I should go study with Junri. And I should also go to the, I should also go to Southern France and learn Sabat from the guys and we got all his low kicks from. And he's like, you know, Wing Chun doesn't have a hook punch. That seems to be a problem. I'm going to study with Western boxers. I'm going to take uh-huh. footwork and fencers. But you have to learn how to do all these things properly before he could transcend it and be Bruce Lee with no style and formless and adapting to what everybody else is doing, you know, you try to do that. You even take an average black belt in any style. They try to do that. They're going to get, they're going to get the crap kicked out of them, right? Cause they don't have the skill that he developed over time in order to be ready to do that. And I think it's the same in creative fields mm-hmm. where people get caught up trying to get there without learning necessarily the, the skills that they need and whatever their medium is. 
So let's talk about basics for a second, since you're, since right now, that's kind of what we're talking about. Like you need to know the basics before you can kind of find yourself. So for both of you, um, what was the pivotal moment that you guys realized, you know, with your, with with your background in writing, um, that you guys realized this is the identity of what I want or who I am as a writer. Like when was the moment that you guys realized out of, out of the basics that you have learned and out of the uh, influence of what you were following that you decided, hey, this is the moment that you're realizing this is my style. This is my identity. You get the hard yeah. question first. You know, no, for me, for me, it's that one was easy. Because I, because I um, I write across a lot of different genres. I write mm-hmm. across a lot of different mediums. I, I do comics with, with um, you know, obviously on here for, for comic book school. But I also, the last thing that I had come out is um, formal rhyming poetry. I have something in a prose horror anthology coming out. Um, you know, I have um, all the I write literary fiction, science fiction, fantasy, comic books, poetry, all this, all this different kind of stuff. So... And I have two base. I have this kind of dark, gothy kind of mode. Some of my writing, and then I have a very, um, you know, more satirical mode, more humorous satirical mode to, to a lot of my other writing. And it's hard for me to, uh, you know, they say every it goes back to the, the conforming thing. It's like the branding discussion is always very difficult for me. Like, what are you putting out there? Because um, because I write a lot of different things and because I write in a lot of different styles. But I think that, um, you know, as I was thinking about it, there were a few things that end up, right? Like I, I also always have um, that one thing that, that I'm always doing, whether I'm writing seriously or not is playing with the uh playing with the tropes and the conventions and there is a retro style but it's like a meta retro style i would say so it's something where i'm aware of the tropes that i'm writing and then i am doing something different with them like i'm almost relying on them to twist them in a way so like so with my story in in the comic book school anthology the mr stupendous story that i have in this anthology it's jumping around to a bunch of different time periods and like almost like an homage to various we have a golden age page we have a silver age page we have a far future anime page that that kind of thing but it's also it's not taking it entirely seriously right i'm not mimicking that page it's kind of making fun of that a little bit as well you know so or i'm from writing a poem i write a lot of um you know, I, I was just in a journal that um, was focused was Edgar Allan Poe, and you can't write something that's exactly like Edgar Allan Poe, but you need to, you need to be aware of it and then use that to put a put a spin on it. Use the reader's expectation to kind of spin those um, spin those things into into something unique, into something that's different, um, rather than trying to build it all build it all from scratch. I would say, and I'd say that's probably what goes what goes through it and i think actually what what made me think about it the most and now i'm the one rambling is that is the whole because i'm so diverse in the uh different 
things that I write is when things started to go online and when it started with, with social media and websites and going on shows and everything like you, you need an author brand. Like, what is going to be my author brand? I write all, all this different kinds of thing. Um, that's when I really had to start thinking about it. And um, I wasn't conscious of it before. I was just writing what I wanted to write and seeing what happened. And I thought, yeah, if I, if I want to write this, I'd be successful doing that. If I want to do that, and to varying degrees, like, you know. Um, so it was really thinking about how I was going to present myself as, as an artist and as a, as a writer that I hadn't really thought about that for most of the, uh, most of the time I was writing until the last few years. Good. My turn. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, well, no. Uh, Ari, what, what's amazing listening to Ari is uh, he's extremely eloquent when it comes to uh, in eloquent and knowledgeable of the history of a lot of different stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, um, like, sometimes he's saying stuff. I'm putting, I'm putting like, the G and G, Chris. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, sometimes he's saying stuff and he's just like, Shh. I'm like, that's what it's like to be a real teacher. Dang. All right. Because um, <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, God, man, you are smart. Um, honestly, uh, developing my own style and realizing I had a style um, happened many moons ago, like years and years ago, because uh, I'm not, uh, I didn't learn traditional writing at first um, in like middle school, high school and everything. I was a science and math geek. And uh, I, I had a teacher that ruined it for me in high school. And so I went to art school. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was bad. It was bad. It was rough. Um, and so you know, I, I ended up at an art school where I did not learn traditional writing. I learned screenwriting. And so I focus a lot on characters and their voices. And I, uh, a lot of my style is uh, being able to tell the differences between characters and how they're speaking and everything. And um, that's a lot of like the stuff that I pay attention to because I care about it. I can't stand if people are talking the same in every single book, movie, you know, comic, if every character sounds like any character could be saying the same thing, it sounds boring to me. So I, I do my absolute best to make sure that they're, that the characters have different voices. And uh, when it comes to like the style of writing I do, um, I do my best to kind of like do stuff I care about. Like, like Ari said, I do have a, a like a dark side a lot of my stuff is horror based or, uh, you know, dark fantasy or something like that. Um, and the overall voice that I've built over the years um, is something I realized that I kind of had a long time ago that I just refined over the years. Does that make sense? So like, um, <laughs> I can tell you the, the, the script that got me into film school uh, was like your kevin smith style like quippy kind of you know a bunch of stoners show up at a burger king um and they're just a bunch of jerkwads to everybody in the restaurant and it's just like a 10 minute little thing that i put together where at the end they pay for it by getting ran over by a truck and and so, yeah, they were like you know how bad they were they were uh one of the two guys is staring at the uh 
this this kid's like happy meal or whatever and he's like staring at the toy and he steals the kid's toy while the mom's not watching so the kid's like going bananas like Aah. he's like oh, it's my it's mine kid get away and so seeing these guys uh do the kind of you know dirty things that they do it's like they got to pay for it and at the end i just i get them they're pulling out and they get ran over by a truck and it's like oh that's very chris it's uh, like quick, quick question uh where do me and sean audition for this uh for these roles you know what <laughs> where do we <laughs> audition anytime you want anytime you want well I, you know what I, we'll find you want to be an artist on it uh i i, I do film so we'll, we will direct I, it and shoot I, it i have dabbled in multiple acting gigs so you know i'm just so, saying i don't know about you, i don't know about charles over there but i've actually been on film more than once so well, he's he's the diva Gotcha. So, which one of you guys would uh, would would jack a kid's toy from their Happy Meal? Yes, sweet. All right, roll (laughs) quickly in the quickness. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's that's kind of like you know I've written it if like something dark happens to somebody being a jerk. (laughs) So, I know the next question was we were going to ask what were the biggest hurdles and challenges that you continue to face or have faced along the road, but I feel like you guys have answered it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the question I just want to ask is, is you guys are both married one more recent than the other. So congratulations. Thank right. Um, how do you, how do you maintain that home's lifestyle while still trying to have that strong, creative, um, strong, creative, like life, you before know, you to answer keep that. This- before you answer that, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is the segment of the show where we go into the R's for romance. Um, this is the R's for romance segment, Geektopians. Uh, so for those Geektopians out there who are married and creative, listen, listen very carefully to what these two. These guys might be to able say. to save yeah. your marriage. Who knows? Don't put all that pressure on them to save, to save marriages. <laughs> Um, you, you know, you know, it helps a lot. Uh, what helps a lot is having the, uh, the, the push. And I, and I tell this to everybody, um, you know, joining CBS community, uh, like a year and a half ago when I did for the first anthology that we did, um, along with, uh, creating tales beyond, uh, which is my own label has all been a push for my wife. She's the one okay. that basically said, do it. Um, you know, uh, Buddy Scalera, he, he reached out to me or whatnot, uh, to get me on the anthology saying, Hey, if you want to do this, do this. Um, but I was kind of like, Hmm, should I, or whatnot? And having that wife that will kick my tail saying, you're a good writer, do it, uh, has been a really solid push and to stay creative. Uh, now we own our own, you know, label tales beyond. And she's always like, when's the next comic coming? When, when's the next uh, when's the next book you're gonna put out or what what are you working on now so it's great having that motivation so if you definitely have that motivation you know it's it's a really good setup um, but as far as like self-motivation goes uh, if you're honestly hungry about telling your own stories it should be easy like uh, I, I and I'm being a writer, I can't go out and draw my own stuff, but it's not going to stop me from writing and continuing the story that I'm telling. And one day I will find a, an artist to put it together for me. 
or okay. one day I will sell my idea as like a, a script for a film or a TV show. Um, what matters is that you have to be passionate. And if you're passionate and you want to tell your stories, like that's the whole reason why I do it. I love talking. I love telling stories. Uh, I have crazy, insane ideas. And I know people listen to me and like them and everything. I just have to get them out there. And so it, that's my own motivation to just put it down on something, throw it on the computer, on the iPad or whatever, write it. And uh, yeah, that's how I stay creative by wanting to entertain people and tell what's in my head. Okay. Um, Ari? My turn. So, yeah, so I've been married. Um, just had our 10th wedding anniversary. We'll go yeah, 11, 11. So, um, you know, um, we are, you know, and I, I say that my wife reads everything I write um, and she reads it before anyone else does. And she is my, um, my alpha reader, my proofreader, um, all of that kind of thing. And it, it does help that, that she is, she's a writer. She's, she's a journalist. Uh, she was a journalist by trade and then she's now a uh, communications person for the, for the, she's the head of communications for the New York public library. So she knows about these things. You, you guys know if you've ever written anything that, you know, I consider myself, I'm, I'm a pretty good editor or a pretty good proofreader. Um, you can never do your own stuff. You will miss stuff in your in your own stuff. So before anyone else sees it, she sees it, and that's that's a big thing. Just even to have, you know, to have that and have her willing willing to do that. I'm interested. But what I was saying before about her um, about being a kid, staying a kid, she's like that as well, probably more than me, at yeah. least exteriorly more than me. I, I tend to be quieter. Um, she, uh, but she is like that all the time. We're always bantering with each other and we're always like you know going back and forth and things like that and just that that playful nature uh lets you do it in terms of family stuff though and then it's the same thing with the kids like you know on the one hand it's really good to be around kids if you're creative because they're really creative and um they like to play and you, you see things in diff different ways on the other hand it also does take away from your time that you have to be creative so I usually don't even get to start writing until 11, 12 at night. And then I have to be up, take the kids to school. And when I was two, you have to be out of the house by six. So, you know, you got to carve out your time for it. Um, and, and that's just, you know, the reality, the more obligations you have, the less time that you'll have, or the more you have to actually sacrifice other things to make the time for your, for your creative thing. Because what you need and I say, you just need time to sit down and do it, right? And even if they go to bed, right, um, I need like half an hour after they've gone to bed before I'm ready to actually sit down and do any serious creative work. Um, and you need to find that. And I've always been a late night person, and that's just me. Other people do it early in the morning. But you're going to end up doing it late at night or early in the morning because you're not going to have any other time to do it. Um, between most of us have to have day jobs, we have res family responsibilities, all that kind of thing. Um, you're going to need to find, you know, you're going to need to find time for that. And it's important to be able to find time for that um, a lot and not take away from the other things. Because if your creative stuff comes in conflict with your family stuff, mm -hmm. then, then you're going to have problems with both of them. Yeah. Right. So you're going to need to, you're going to need to find that time um where you're able to do it 
and to be conscious of doing, you know, be conscious of doing it and um, make sure you're doing the things that you need to do. Like there were, there was a time a couple of weeks ago where, you know, it's the pandemic. There's not people at home. Schedules are all off. My son decided he's going to stay up till midnight every night. That's Ooh. a problem. I can't write when my son's up till midnight. But what can I, you know, what am I going to do? It's like, you know, I found out I could send off submissions while he's awake. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sit down and be able to write. But I could still do something that's that's there. I could I could send off submissions. I can go, um, you know, I could be on the comic book school message boards as I'm putting him to bed, like on, on my phone or whatever, and talk about things and talk about ideas, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you there are other things you can do, right? And you have to find times to do the things that you need to do creatively, um, and still be able to you know, still be able to take care of your, uh, your family and your, your obligations and that type of thing as well. I completely understand. It and I know what that's like. Cause when Sean stays up to like one in the morning, I'm like, I can't do this, but it's promo time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Geetopians, this episode is brought to you by sleepy time, big boy tea for that tea that you need to put the big boy to sleep. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm having a hard time with Sean, I just, pour a glass of big boy sleepy time tea and uh i put him right to sleep yeah that was that was that was my uh promo since somebody commented about the reverend uh uh what is it the the pastor book that you you put out there last? yes last week the pastor yeah, yeah. pastor yeah. pastor charles williams yeah. you know with his verses yeah. and idioms so, yeah so we're gonna so, go okay so I apologize to you too. Every week we pull out now. fake product yeah. placements. Yes. Right? And this all started because he wanted me to wear Speedos. Oh, thank you for bringing oh. it up. Uh, Geetopians, don't forget, uh, this may be your last week to get your exclusive Sean Luke Speedos. Um, they come in uh, three different colors, neon pink, um, tree green, and uh, uh, what is it? Midnight purple? Uh, with the Sean Luke uh, trade stamp of approval with his face on the back. That's Sean Luke Speedos. Get him here. Get him now. Don't worry. We're going to start adding graphics to the, for the YouTubers <laughs> so that they can see the graphics of all of this. Um, Disturbing. Just know that. So, so, yeah. All right. So, this is something that um, now that you guys talked about it, I want to I actually dive in real, real quick more. What is, you know... The comic book school and how would you define it in about like three words say with your chest say with your chest because this whole time they keep saying cbs they keep saying comic school the geetopians want to know what comic book school is say it with your chest say say it sean with your chest say ask them that question the again comic book school what is it <laughs> thank you thank you three words yep. free free comics education mm. um Ooh. that would wow. be the three word answer do you want the longer answer? Of course, answer? of, of um, course, yeah. of course, an English teacher would literally figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, killer comic community. Oh, yeah, I like yeah. his. I like his answer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, and the long long form answer is is combination of both. Um, it is a free community uh, to be you know active in where everyone is a comic nerd of some kind. Whether or not you are an artist or a writer or an editor, people get on, they talk about their comics, they talk about, you know, we throw out like prompts sometimes to get people talking and stuff. Uh, we also um, like 
I've put together this amazing anthology. Now this we're our second year of it. Um, you know, we're getting together, we're getting people together so that they can collaborate on their own stories and their own uh, comics and everything. So it's it's overall just a, a really killer comic community that happens to have free comic education. Yeah, and when and when we um, you know, um, you guys, anybody who's who's been around a lot of the comic cons, you probably remember Buddy Scalera, written for Marvel, and he's done. Even back when he was at Wizard, used to do these educational panels at all the shows. So you did the professional track panels. It was always, you know, comic book school presented by Buddy Scalera, but it was basically Buddy. And he'd bring on pros that he knows from his work at Marvel or his, when he met when he was at Wizard and he would interview them and it would be like script to page and they'd have a writer up there and an artist up there or a writer and two artists and they would draw the page and they would talk through it or editors on editing or social media for comic book creators in more recent years. And there was always, of course, Creator Connection, which was the greatest panel in the world where you would go to the show with a stack of business cards, writers on one side of the room, artists on the other side of the room, and it was like speed dating for creators and you meet so many people. I met, I'd say probably the first five or six people that I worked with in uh, comic books. I met at Creator Connections. Um, obviously, in the last year, um, not been possible. The last year, year and a half, um, to do that type of thing anymore. So it's moved online. We have a YouTube channel now um, where Buddy still does the interviews with the pros. Um, we have the forums that you've heard us talking about, which is the community where the community exists. And then there's this publishing venture also where the creators can team up and uh, write an eight page short comic story or a one to two page flash fiction story that's illustrated. And we put out the, we've been putting out the anthology for the last two years. So we're evolving while continuing the, uh, the mission of comic book school, um, which is officially to, um, help aspiring creators learn the craft and business of making comics. Um, so there's the craft element and then there's the, uh, the business element also how to manage your career and, and that kind of thing. All right. Mm, nice. All right. That's, that's a good nutshell version of it. Go ahead. So, uh, Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean Chris? Wait, yeah. Cause Chris already no. answered. No. Oh, oh, so See, look at that. You're not even paying attention. I, was, I wasn't sure if I can ask the next question. I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure, right? You know, don't blame me. Right? It happens. These things happen. <laughs> Brain fog. Um, so the next question that I, I have, um, in continuation with this, is how large is CBS, the CBS community, so far? Um, and how much work goes into growing that community? So there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into growing it. The how large it is depends on what you're talking about. The first anthology, I think, had 33 creators, 27 of them. It was their first published work. Um, but there are hundreds of people on the message boards. Um, but it's really much larger than that because a lot of times, like, we'll go out, we'll be talking about comic book school, um, and people will be like, oh, yeah, I remember Buddy's panels. Or I was at Creator Connections years ago. And anybody, yeah. there were, you know, it's probably thousands of people between all the people who have been in uh, his, the panels at New York Comic Con or in uh, Chicago and, and um, in Wizard World or in any of the other shows they did over the years. Um, it's difficult to put an exact number on how big the community is, um, but it's a community that continues to grow and, and evolve going 
on, on shows like yours, having the online presence um, with the forums and the YouTube channels, the publishing is new in the last, uh, in the last two years as well. Um, so it's ever growing. Um, it's, you know, we haven't reached everyone yet. We're trying to reach, trying to reach more people, but it's difficult to tell because Buddy's been doing this for so long and because Buddy's been so active in giving back to aspiring creators, um, you know, he's, he's got to be one of the most giving comics pros out oh, there. Wow. I think he's writing for, uh, written for a lot of most people you see have written for Marvel aren't giving this away for free the way that he is putting in the amount of work that he does behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, it's reaches now, we have an international group of creators now. Um, in our anthology, we have artists from Australia, we have from from Greece. Um, international. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's, you know, the exact number is difficult, but over the years, it's, it's, it's large. It's just growing. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's... That's, all, that's all you, buddy. It's all me. Yeah. So the ideologies behind comic book school involve a lot of not just, you know, community growth and everything. It, it from based on everything that I saw, especially with buddies videos and things like that, you're literally trying to mentor and help other artists. If say they're like in a funk or like they're just trying to move on. How important is like, how important and what are the core values when dealing with that mentorship? Honestly, like values, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say, I don't want to be too crude when I say this, Okay. Mm -hmm. but um, don't be a jerk. The, the collaboration is everything. Community is everything. If you're not willing to make somebody better by being honest and uh, by uh, not being a jerk, and being rude about it, um, then people don't help, don't mentor or whatnot. But for the most part, everyone that is part of the community and is able to uh, work with each other and work with others or whatnot, give some advice or whatnot. Um, everyone just knows, be respectful. Uh, if, if you're being respectful and if someone is giving you some advice or uh, like one of the things that we do uh, especially for the anthologies is we, we try to make sure that everyone's following step-by-step step of like the comic process, everything from, you know, creating the idea to scripting the idea to penciling and then inking and coloring and all that jazz. Um, every step of the way, everyone's comics are posted online on the boards, on the message boards. And everyone is kind of expected to read through it if you're part of the anthology, read through it, see what everyone else is writing about or the way they're going about their story. And then if you have advice or if you have some feedback or if you have anything like that to give, it's, you know, as long as you're not a jerk about it, you know, follow up on the boards. Let them know what your advice is. Let them know how you feel about like a twist at the, at the end or something that like, mm, maybe this doesn't work for me um, or something like that. And we've we've the community is awesome we've had a great experience with no one being a tool um everyone is very helpful uh you have some great people who are editors like Ari. he'll go in and he'll write up a, a really solid 
uh, chunk of feedback for somebody's story. And then you have people when it like during the art phases, it's like, okay, well, this angle doesn't work for this panel or, you know, maybe the action would be better if you focused on this swinging of a bat as opposed to on somebody picking up a little nail or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about the feedback being respectful, honest, um, and, um, Constructive. You know, I think it's fair to say constructive. Yeah. Yeah. Constructive is definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want to add a couple of things for the values as well. Um, one of one of Buddy's core values I mentioned it at first was that everything is free, so that you're not going to no. And that's it's a big thing because there are other comics education platforms that that are really good, but they're not free. Um, you have access, everybody. They're yeah, they're not only not free, but they're they're expensive to bear, to varying degrees. And um, but that just yeah. The other thing is that it's very important, and one thing that Buddy tries to instill in all of us who work there is to learn how to be a professional. Um, and that involves the thing where Chris was talking about with the schedule. Um, that's being professional. Hit your deadlines. You know, if you're supposed to have your script in by a certain date, have it in by a certain date. That's why we do the anthology is to teach people how a schedule works, how a professional project is managed. Um, and it's all based on, you know, what Buddy does at, at the top of the industry, that you should be doing those same best practices all the way down. So he does a blog post with every step. This is, the, this is how he pitched his editor on this Avengers story that he did. This is the okay. same story when he wrote the plotted it out. This is the same story when he scripted it. Here's Ron Lim's pencils for his Avengers story. Um, and he posts that within each each step all the way through production in the end. And you're expected to, within reason, obviously in the last year, there's been major things that have happened in people's lives. Yeah. Um, but within reason, you're expected to follow the schedule. And really, it's not... We accept everyone. Um, there's not a traditional submissions process where normally when you submit to an anthology, you know, we'd have a finished story. Like Charlie's an artist. I would say, hey, Charlie, you want to do my script? You know, and he'd look at my script. He's like, yeah, I'd like to draw that. And then we wouldn't even send it anywhere until it was already drawn, until we had however many sample pages they were looking for in a summary. And I'd send it off, say Chris was the editor, and Chris would look at our stuff and either say, yeah, that's cool. I want to publish you guys. Or, now nah, that's not for us. And, you know, you try to submit it somewhere okay. else. We accept everyone from the beginning. But not everybody makes it through necessarily to the end right it's it's okay. the people it's, it's an endurance how to be, you have to learn how to be professional how to get your work in and get it in on time and take that feedback from the community and that the people who are able to make it through and to learn how to make it through those are the stories that end up um that end up in the anthology so the other thing you know so it's to learn how to be professional on the one hand but on the other hand to take down barriers and to be accepting of everybody no matter what phase of their career they're at so we have people in this book not just by other people who have written or drawn for like you know from marvel all the way at the top we have people who are art students who this is their first thing that's out i said a lot of the people in the book it's their first published work and we have everything in between you know we have people at different phases of their career we ex you know we accept everyone and try to teach you how to be professional and not just in terms of making the book but also, you know, try to make, you know, teach people how to be professional in the way they present themselves on social media. 
how they okay. present themselves. Like we'll have a discussion. Like New York Comic Con's coming back. We think, um, but you know, hopefully we'll we'll all be there. You <laughs> yeah. know, um, you know, finger fingers crossed. But um, you know, we'll be there. But how do you present yourself at the thing? So like, I remember yeah. that at the end of Creator Connection, um, Buddy would put up an email. And it'd be a template email of how you follow up with someone you met at a networking event because people don't know. And what ends up happening is a lot of writers and artists are introverted. You meet someone, like I say, hey, Sean, here's my business card. I get Sean's business card. And then we don't talk to each other like till next year at the con. He's like, oh, wait, I kind of remember you. Yeah. So he's like, within a week, you follow up and take a picture of this. And this is exactly what you're going to say. And he said, you know, I met you at create a connection, a comic book school, create a connection. And it gives you like three, like a template of what to do. So people who aren't necessarily comfortable, who maybe don't know how to do that, learn how to do that and learn how to act like professionals within, within the community. So that's why it's the, um, he always says the craft and business of making comics. So there's the craft mm-hmm. element, which mm-hmm. is actually making comics and making your book, but it's also the business element. And that's part of it is learning how to be a professional within the comic books industry um, so that, you know, so that you're presenting yourself in, in the proper way and, um, you know, you learn what you're supposed to be doing, uh, from someone who, you know, has credibility because he's been there and, and done that. Yeah. I, I can imagine the networking part is just kind of like hard, especially when you're introverted. It's like one of those, cause even for us, we, I, well, I would say Sean is more extroverted than I am. I'm more um, social. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, it took us a while to get used to like really networking. So I can see that being a part of the creation, the creativity part that people tend to overlook the importance of, Hey, it's not just about writing. It's not just about drafting and, and creating. It's also about networking and having that communication. So I can see that being a very important aspect of, of, of uh, the mentorship and, and the program. Um, my question, uh, yeah, just make sure I'm reading this right. I don't have my glasses. Oh my God, my eyes. Ah, geez. I wish I had, um, I wish I had something to read these with, uh, Geektopians, which you can get right now is a special pair of the Sean Luke glasses. These glasses allow you to see anything crystal clear from the past to the future. That's the Sean Luke Pass to the Future glasses. Get that here on Pass right to the Future. Glasses. Uh, this, epi- this episode That's will have a new. lot. This episode will have a lot of Photoshop. It's going to have you really you Photoshop. Need to, you need to get that old ad that was in the comic yeah. books when we were kids. So the, the oh my God, those bootleg X ray specs? Yeah, with the, yeah, the yeah. ones with the, like, the Twilight Zone uh, swirl yep. thing with a little hole in them. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you can register for on the back of every comic. You know, I actually had one of those for free. I think it's still in storage so like damn (laughs) (laughs) i have to ask this uh because as the more i learn about cbs and and the work that goes on the anthology themes uh are there set themes are are themes chosen if they are chosen how are they chosen um and how long does it take from start to finish like an estimate once the the theme is set how long does that take well, I, 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 I can tell you the first anthology did not have uh, any theme. It was just about creating a comic uh, collaboration. It was about making sure you got through the process. Uh, for the second anthology, the anthology that we're uh, about to drop now is uh, 
the theme was the time in and in being like the tavern like i-n-n Okay. And oh, okay. like a hotel yeah. or a, like a hotel or yeah. yeah and it's it's it was a hard one i will not lie it was it oh uh, hey where where did, we, where did you guys come up with that because i wasn't part of that so process apparently apparently buddy was driving down the jersey turnpike and saw an old motel and inspiration struck and he said, you know what the theme of the anthology is going to be? It's going to be oh, wow. Time In. Uh, it was actually originally going to be the Time, like, it was going to be the Time Hotel or Motel, but there was, you know, he had to, like, get a unique name that was free of, you know. In. Yeah, so it, it evolved from there. But, yeah, he, he was driving down the uh, the turnpike. You know, like, when you come over the bridge, there's all those little uh, old motels there. and. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something something clicked in in his you know in his writer brain. He's like, I want it to be the time in, and okay. that's how he came up with it. Um, yeah. That's the official story. Um, I just know when he, um, I don't know how long he'd been sitting on it or when that happened, but he was he was teasing it for a couple of weeks in the meeting, and then he revealed it to the community, and he said, "This is what you're going to write about." But you know, the thing was. Even within that theme, right? He's pushing us to do certain things. So when I heard the time in, um, I was thinking like Twilight Zone type of thing, and uh, you know, the, the horror story. But I had written this superhero spoof satire for the first anthology, and Buddy's like, "No, you should write the same character." Mm-hmm. How am I going to write this character, this superhero spoof city thing, for the time in and that took me that took me a while the process to come up with an idea of how to do that because he you know he said that's what they'll do he's like an editor will come to you and they're like we need whatever character book you're writing on like we need you know batman christmas story in a uh in the uh 1800s like style thing and you know go ahead write it you have a month like so and he like you don't have to do that but he encouraged us to continue with the same property so you know that's another thing like you're not really i mean you had to at least tangentially be connected to the theme but it was pretty loose and buddy will give you pushes and be like you know you really should try it not everyone you don't have to but it's often a good idea to at least try to see if you can make it work. Interesting. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't, I, I didn't use my character or my stories from the first anthology at all. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I went with a completely new IP uh, idea, and uh, I think it worked out better for me and my creativity because of that. Um, but yeah, this this was this one was a very interesting theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and to 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 just write anything on this theme, I, I think is an accomplishment for anybody. <laughs> so, are you guys thinking like for the next one, like that should be the the same thing? Like, like I take it like Buddy comes in, he's like, you know, uh, he's like, let's MacGyver this. All right, I, I, I need this, <laughs> a paperclip, a yeah, rubber yeah. band, That's exactly what it is. That's exactly and, a, and a cafe. Yeah. There's a famous there's a famous Ray Bradbury quote about jumping off the uh, cliff and building your wings on the way down, and that's kind of like, you know, 
that's Buddy's life philosophy. Like okay. he he lives that. So uh, you know, know. he'll come in, and we have we have no idea what the theme is going to be next time. But I'm, I think I, he I think we like we liked having the theme. I think okay. it's good. I think it's good for the anthology to have a to have a theme. Um, yeah. It it gives it a focus. It gives it a unity. Like when you present the book, um, that you have a book that's around mm -hmm. a certain theme, mm -hmm. and but in terms of what the next theme will be, or I, no idea. He'll probably. I want to be in the room the when the next one comes in, and I, right. this is kind of how I picture it. Like he walks in, serious face, and he's like, "I need a salt and pepper shaker, a duck, <laughs> and a movie theater. Make it happen." And you guys are like, "What?" I, I'm up for it. I, I'm not gonna lie though. The 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 cohesion between mm -hmm. the, the the stories, mm -hmm. um, it it's actually really cool because okay. whereas the first and the first anthology, um. It was just whatever you want. And so you've got a hodgepodge of different stories that a lot of the stories either, um, a, lot of, a lot of it was action-based. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like this anthology, it's like, okay, we've got a similar theme. We've got, you know, we're all rocking on the same theme, mm -hmm. but you've got some great sci-fi. You've got some great, you've got some solid action. You've got some post-apocalyptic stuff. You've got some fantasy, like uh, sword and sorcery style fantasy. So it's really cool to see uh, where the different creators have come from using the same theme and all just being able to throw different genres and different types of stories all together around that same theme. And I think it really, really, like like he said, it's like it was solid uh, planning on okay. Buddy's part, planning on Buddy's part. And uh, I, I think that it definitely did help the anthology uh, evolve and grow from the first one. And the you know the mm -hmm. other thing is it's not it's not just comic we have a comic book section and then there's a flash fiction section where it's prose okay. writing with illustrated with illustrations as well. So let's say you come in late to the challenge, right? And because we're on that schedule, or whatever, you don't might not have time to pencil eight pages, right? Um, to ink eight pages and to color eight pages, you're behind schedule. You up with one of the uh, flash fiction writers, you could do a one page you know, illustration that's more similar to like a cover or a pinup or, or a single page mm -hmm. and get yourself into the anthology that way. But then you're in and you have something right and you're ready. And when you start the next time you're in already and um, it gives you published work um, and it gives you a chance to get, to get your stuff out there, to be illustrating things okay. that somebody's writing, you know, so that there's a lot of different ways you know, we don't want to make it sound too ominous or too um, rigid. There, there's a lot of different ways to get in there um, and different ways people people can be flexible around it, especially with the way people interpreted the theme. People were really creative in the way they interpreted it. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm over here thinking about ideas right now. How yeah. long does the how long does it usually take from like beginning to end? Um, the theme was dropped, I think, in what, January? I think we started in January. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, it was it was around January, and then uh, the ball really got rolling, like late January, early February, and up until now. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. So so the um, anthology is supposed to be released at New York Comic Con, like it's supposed to be a New York Comic Con release, so that we kind of working backwards, working backwards from that. Um, gotcha. Last year, last year it went until December because there was New York Com no New York Comic Con, so there wasn't that hard deadline. Ended up being the end of the year being a deadline this year really wanted to have it so that he could announce you know at the panels like we have this this book you know it's a free download on the site it's not like there's going to be uh physical books at the show but he still wanted it to be a new york comic-con 
release. So okay. using that as the deadline, then working backwards how long each step should take. Um, and actually the original schedule was created by our our editor, uh, D. Alley, um, who, um, who has a background in project management. And she came up with a schedule for her own um, her own work and showed it to Buddy and then Buddy kind of made adjustments based off of how comics work. And between the two of them, they came up with this schedule over a number of months. And we kind of use that as the template for the challenge each year. So after oh, so the first year, just, yeah. It kind of just worked for every, okay. yeah. yeah. So it was, I mean, obviously slightly modified between last year and this year in terms of the right. time periods and the exact dates and that kind of thing. Cause you learn from the first time you go through it, it's probably going to be modified slightly next year, but the basis for it, uh, the basis for the schedule is, uh, is Diali's schedule, um, who came from the motion graphics, uh, animation, um, world and was first starting to get into uh into comics and how she she came up with the schedule and then buddy kind of edited it to fit the uh fit the comic book world um right. and that's the schedule that we're using all right um so i'm going to hit you guys with uh with a continuing question um as far as mentoring um but before i ask you that if i was to send you guys a pair of sean luke speedos <laughs> Oh what, my God! Would I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. XL. Chris has got a Conan. Conan over there needs the uh, the loincloth uh, version. <laughs> yes, I will do it. Make sure it's got the the, the like the, not the button the buckles, but like mm-hmm. the you know those like bolts or whatever that were in them around the you waist. Know, I, I, I think I think in the production line we do have a loincloth Sean Luke uh, yeah. uh, uh, set. It's a speedo and loincloth set. Uh, why are you shake your head, Sean? This is this we're is not happening. we're not doing the Tarzan look. Appreciate just it, like, but no, thank you. Just like the Sean Luke calendar is going to happen that we keep talking about that we're going to donate the money to charity. Um, this speedo thing is going to happen. Uh, we're going to. I'm gonna make money off of that ass. I'm gonna I'm gonna make money off. Of that. I'm gonna gonna we're gonna we're gonna sell you. That's how or or how brand you. How does it feel to be prostituted out? Whoa whoa! I'm used to this already. I'm used yeah. to it. I'm, so so, uh, so this money is either gonna go to charity or to bail. Is that is that? Is that... Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. Uh, Geektopians, right now, um, I think they're using wrong words. Uh, the word they're looking for is branding. We are branding, Sean. We are branding. That this sounds is- worse. Branding sounds better. Than- no, it's you know, it's you know, think Did about we, it. Yeah, Sean- you're literally gonna poke my ass and brand it. Oh. You're gonna have SFS on my ass, just burnt into it. I mean, that that it's is uh, isn't that the modern way of claiming product now? I mean, is isn't that the the modern way? Like, what is that copyright? What what is that? Uh, that that's a, that's trademark. the modern way. It's tra- it's yeah, trademark. that's a trademark. You know. Yeah. You know, you're branded SFS trademark. There you go. Um, anyway, so on, on the topic of mentoring, because I do have this question um, for both of you in your own experience. What are the most common challenges that you see creators face as they work on anthology? 
Yeah, it's a hard hitter, I know. Um, the challenges that other that okay that like people have faced while doing the anthology. Okay, mm-hmm. I tend to think that there are some people that haven't learned how to learn yet. Okay. Mm. Does that make sense? It's 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 one of those things where okay, you're giving me feedback, um, you're giving me uh, you know some form of criticism of some kind, some way to evolve my story or make it better. I don't know how to accept that yet. Okay. My idea is my idea, and I I'm so stuck in it, and I have to do it this way, and that, that's 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 probably the biggest challenge I've stumbled upon. It's some people just they're not able to understand that. Uh, on anybody's first pass, first pass, second pass, and maybe even third pass, it's not a complete idea. It's not a finished final product. And okay. having that outsider who can poke you a little bit and give you a little bit more creativity, it's not more, but it's like give you a different idea or something to uh, kind of assist your idea or alter your idea so it can you know, be, flourish better. Okay. Some some people can't accept it. They're they're so like, no, this is the way I want to do it. And and in in the long run, it ends up hurting their product because they're not able to adjust or make the uh, make the changes that are necessary for it to be not necessarily more mainstream, but more understandable. Okay. Uh, or something like that. Well, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with that to a certain extent. I, I agree that um, people need to know how to make things like if they haven't done it before they need to know how to make things professional and they need you know we've had um i would say the time management has been a big issue for for some people um in terms of sticking to the schedule within the deadlines but i think that the biggest thing and i find this in in a lot of teaching is that people don't know how to ask the questions that are going to help them the most. Okay. So if I give you my story and I say, here it is, give me feedback. I have no idea what I'm going to get. I don't know what I'm, you don't know what I'm looking for. You don't know that they don't know how to ask those questions. Like often when I post my stuff on the boards, I'll say, this is my story. I'm having trouble with the page turn from page three to four. I don't know if this should go on here or it should go on the next page because okay. that's, that's what I'm struggling with, right? Do you okay. think this is necessary, right? And what I'm asking, I'm saying, Chris, as a, as a writer, as another writer, would you put this line, would you put this on page three? Would you put this on page four? Um, and that's going to be helpful to me because that's what I'm struggling with. If I'm posting it and I'm not asking that question and I get the three of you to give me feedback, none of y'all might address that. Because you don't know that that's what I'm struggling with. You, okay. you know, if I'm saying, you know, and I find I find this all the time, right? Let's say I'm worried that I make I make an illusion in my story. Right? I do that a lot. I, I allude to something, some other work of literature that that's come before. And let's say it's not like, you know, something that's vastly well known. And I'm like, do you get this illusion or not? Right? Um, do you like, what is, like, is this too obscure? And if they don't, like, let's say you don't get the illusion and no one gets the illusion and it goes over everyone. And it's like, maybe it's too obscure an illusion. I'll never know that. But I'm not asking about it, mm-hmm. but myself being aware 
as a creator and knowing that I might make some, make an illusion that's too obscure. If I can ask, like, did you get what I was referring to here? That's going to be more helpful to me, and that's going to guide, you know, guide my feedback. I'm having tr- if I'm an artist and I'm having trouble with with the flow. Does this page really like say I'm doing a a non conventional layout mm-hmm. or some sort of spread or something? And I'm like, what direction? What order did you read these bubbles in? You know. Okay. Because somebody might not give me that feedback, and it might not be readily apparent. But if it's something that I know might be, that I'm not sure about in my own work, and we all have those things that we're not mm-hmm. sure about in our own work, those questions, those are the questions you need to be asking. And if you're not asking the questions, you may or may not get the answers. So it it really comes down to knowing when or how to ask specific questions. Um, yes. Yeah. I had this. I had this issue a few months ago. We were shooting um one of the films that we keep talking about, um Edward B. Red, and we shot it from one angle instead of shooting multiple angles because we only shot what we could in time. And I sent this to a group of people, and the moment I sent it to them, I realized my mistake and I did not follow up on my mistake. And I said to them, "Can I get your feedback?" And I got the worst feedback ever, which was zero to none feedback because i they they asked the question based on how i asked it then i sent it to another person and just when i went to go ask them for their feedback and be more specific they said to me hey before i look at this what would you like me to look at specifically and i and i in that moment even though i was already about to say that i i got the importance of if you're going to share your work it's about asking. It's about being very specific on what you're sharing and what you're trying to get back from it when it comes to like constructive feedback. Chris, something that you said uh, a few minutes ago uh, that I wanted to kind of touch on, and this is a question for both of you. Do you think that the reason why a lot of creators at times have problems learning to either be ask specific questions or, or uh, taking constructive pr- feedback is because they're so used to working solo and now they're placing themselves in an environment that is forcing them to break out of that 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 personal space and be not just network but work as a as a bigger picture yes move on go ahead no, uh, no, I, I, that, yeah. that was short and sweet. You like that? No, I, I, I do think that a lot of creators uh, who work solo, um, they, they encounter that, that, that slight single mindedness or not. Um, and going back to like, wh- like what you guys just described as far mm-hmm. as like uh, the learning process, uh, the, the, understanding feedback and understanding the type of feedback you want kind of is like that, that level of learning that I was talking about that uh, creators haven't reached yet because you got to learn to accept the feedback. Uh, Once you learn to accept the feedback, then you have to realize, okay, what kind of feedback exactly you want. Okay. And so like, I think you guys are like that level of guru like you're like, this is, I'm the ultimate learner now. Um, and I, th- I yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I do think that that comes with uh, working with others in general, like okay. networking, working with others, uh, uh, 
Ari uses his wife to read his stuff. Uh, that's just, that's another person that's outside of him. It's external. It's uh, anytime you can get that external feedback and you're looking for it and you are actively pursuing a, oh, I needed, I need help on this. Okay. Give me some look on that. Um, when you are hungry for feedback, you know what kind of feedback you want and you're willing to go out and get it. It, uh, it definitely plays into your favor a lot and working with others in general helps you get that feedback easier and learn it and it teaches you how to get that feedback easier. Because if you're like the one trick pony who you draw, right, you write, you draw ink, color, all your own stuff. There's a, there's a good possibility. Uh, it's a, like the checks and balances aren't there. So, so one thing that I want that I want to add about this particular community that's kind of unique in the comic book world is that one of the things that I found most helpful in terms of the feedback process is having access to the artists as equals. So what, what I mean by that is that as a comic book writer, usually what's going to happen, I'm going to say, oh, you draw, you want to draw my script. And you're going to say, sure, and I'm going to hire you to draw your, my script, and I'm going to pay you a page rate, and you're going to draw what I ask you to draw because I'm paying you to draw it, and you might not be comfortable coming back saying, like, hey, this might work differently because, you know, because that's the nature of a work for hire situation, right? That, that's, mm -hmm. that's how that type of relationship works. Now, we're on, on this board, because we have writers and artists, and everyone's giving feedback each other, and because we're not you know, it's not like I've hired you to draw my story. You've hired me to write your story, this type of thing. You can get honest feedback that you wouldn't have in one of those one-to-one -one biz typical business relationships that you would have in, in a comic book. So okay. um, it's, it's, it's different in that sense because even if I'm working, let's say I'm working with you, Charlie, right? And then Sean's on there. Let's say Sean's another artist and he's going to he's gonna see what we post. And he could say something as someone who's not even on the creative team who doesn't have even the, you know, you might be more reluctant with someone who you're, even if, even if it's not a work for hire thing, you might, you might be more reluctant to offer that kind of feedback than you would be to someone on your own creative team. But you're able to get that perspective that you might not be able to get and you might not be able to get completely honestly in a traditional um, way that these things are usually that are usually made. On the message boards, okay. everyone's there and there's enough people that they're you're able to get that. Um, so like writers that. from artists, artists from writers, that kind of thing. I like that that community feedback is encouraged and it's welcomed. I think that definitely is a uh is that that's like a tool is it, I, I, you know maybe a tool is the wrong word but I, i'm gonna coin that as that's a that's a very helpful tool that you know like whether if you're creating something you know even if you're having a, a mental block or you're not sure where to go you have another source uh you you have a group um that can always like chime in and and you can pull from and say okay you know what that might work that might work okay i didn't see it from that perspective so i think that's that's pretty cool all right, gentlemen, we are rounding towards the end. So now we're going to jump backwards a little bit and ask some more, ask a very deep, you know, every question has been deep at this point. Um, so I'm going to ask a question and you guys can go in whatever order you want to. 
Could you mentor yourself at the following ages, 16, 21, and 25? Could you find yourself mentoring yourself? Found a time machine. <laughs> um, I think so at all three ages. I I, I think uh, in general, mm-hmm. um, one of one of the cool things about, uh, and I'm pretty sure Art uh, Ari will also uh, give a thumbs up for this. As part of being a martial artist mm-hmm. uh, for many many moons, uh, it has allowed us to kind of learn how to be mentored. How to be taught, and so I—I I mean, I got my black belt at a younger age. I'm pretty positive that I'd be able to get some feedback at the age of 16 that can that can definitely, you know, make me better. Same thing at 22, 25. Um, I, I think that all three of those ages, uh, I, I, I'd be pliable, bendable. Hmm. Okay, nice. I—I I mean, I think I could. I don't know that I would be the best mentor for myself. Mm. Um, I might be too similar to myself. Okay. Um, you know, you grow, but you know, sometimes you need a different, a different type of thing. Um, I think, you know, 16, definitely. That's a, a age kid. I usually work with I'm a high school teacher. I, I know how to deal with 16 year olds. Um, 22, you said, uh, 16, 21, and 25. 21 and 25. Yeah, 25 was a more than a 25. At 21, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's tough to, uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's yeah, it's long enough. I mean, that's that's long enough ago. I think I think it would be it would be fine. You're, you're Hindsight fine. is a beautiful thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I will say. I'll be like, you know what, Chris? Listen, mother. All right, you got to get this right because I'm suffering. <laughs> in, in the future. I, 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 I would want to do one of those things where I didn't know it was me. Like okay. I would know it was me, but like twenty-five-year-old me oh. wouldn't know I was me. Uh, I think I would be more uh, of a so like uh, you know I would about know a cop out, out like yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna say that, that that sounds a little cheesy right there I would uh I I want to go the Biff route I want to go back in time and just hand myself an almanac like, just, just to make yourself right. rich and change the entire timeline uh yes all right uh yeah. if Marvel if Marvel and DC can do it then uh radio can do it yeah but they do it like every other week though that's just and there are actual consequences to that see this is where the shoot yeah. ship begins first of all Marvel does it. Because they will give us a DC does the suit. They will give us a really, really, really good story arc, and just towards the end, do something that is just unwanted. It they didn't need to do it, and they get they have a board meeting, and it's like, hey guys, uh, we messed up on this one. Uh, what? How do we fix this? And instead of just being like, hey, um, <laughs> how about we just act like this is normal? Somebody has the genius idea of, um, how about we just revamp the universe? Uh. Crisis on Earth. Um, uh, new uh, uh, Final what Crisis. That, what is it? Marvel does. Marvel does a Marvel brand now. new days. Legacy. <laughs> brand Age, new day, Age of Apocalypse. Like... Um, House of L. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, but those are standalone uh, stories. Those, those are supposed to be that way. That's a but those yeah. Are those are those but are those were those then, what then that, that became canon. Exactly. Those, but those, those are, are all those resets. Those are all resets. That's fine. No, they're not supposed to be like set resets. 
Those are supposed yeah. to be what if this happens becomes canon and everyone like some characters come from that canon who know about what yeah, happens if we like up. the reality is the House of M storyline was not supposed to be canon, but it was so loved and the ending was so powerful they literally turned it into canon. But if you ever yeah. realize when they come out of it, when they come back into the actual universe, once again, that's it, it starts all over. You get a great storyline or a great story arc for a couple of months, then something happens where they're like, Hey, let's I'm trying to come up with a very good example. Um, if you want if you want a good example Rebirth? I was gonna he, say he is for Re- extinction. As, as much as I love Grant Morrison, he is for extinction is one of the is one of the best arcs, I think, within the X Men franchise. No, oh, all right, whatever. Y'all ain't gotta agree with me. Geektopian, you agree with me. whatever. You know, everybody was silent on that one. All right, no. you know, maybe it's the name Ari, Grant Morrison. Ari Rose, like, no, no, no. Right. Oh, wow, no, wow, dang. I you knew what it was. Was y'all, y'all, heard, y'all heard Grant Morrison, and you was like, Ugh. yeah, I'm sorry. That's that's his good, that's his one good story. Um, Ooh. Oh, shit. That's no, in the final in the final few minutes, we're throwing jabs. I oh, did shit. not mean the one good story. I just meant that's a good story he has done. No, no, you, um, you, you, you no, no. You, we know what you we know what you meant. It's all good. So I, I can't stand Final Crisis. Uh, mm. I, I I can't. Uh, his Green Lantern run, <sighs> and uh, GL is my favorite character. Uh, from, from, from but GP. everybody loved that Green Lantern run. Great. Great. Not me, not me, my man, not me. Um, yeah, E is for E for E for extinction is is a solid story, and you know what? That story, I believe that story was the first story to have the X Men in leather in comics, right? Yes, that's when they broke away from their um, the colorful their traditional, yeah. From yeah. pockets so, everywhere. They broke away from pockets yeah, everywhere. Pockets everywhere, yeah. The pouches. Yes. Pouches everywhere. And yeah. So um if you're gonna call that a reset and a reboot, I, I would I, say I, what came after. I would say so after ESTRI extinction, you go into House of M. So House of M is the climax that happens, and then when we come out of that, it's a new reset. See, see here here's the problem that they have is that they they do these things where you need to be reading too many books at the same time. Mm. And there's oh. a certain segment um, of the comics reading world or people who are interested in these things, probably people who are on the show, who watch the show, who go to Comic-Cons, who become comic book creators, who do that. And then there yeah. are certain people who don't, who want to pick up, I want to be able to go to the store pick up a trade paperback of my 12 issues of story, make a complete story, and that's it. And I don't want to have to buy 50 other books just to understand what's going on in in this one. Yeah. And then yeah. what happens, you know, that kind of forces them into resetting things because things get too big or too, too wide. Oh, yeah. And you have, you have to eventually... You have to eventually bring it back to a manageable size, or you're gonna not be able to get new readers. Yeah, because it's too hard. It's too hard to catch up. Or, well, that's you know, why they did not... in the first place, right? So, so yeah. to me, I think a perfect example of that in the recent times was Civil War Two, right? Oh. That whole storyline was so convoluted and everywhere. The here's the part that kills me. The main thread of Civil War 2 was actually in a Captain America side comic. 
where you find out not in the civil war story but through his own that he actually helped facilitate this civil war using the prophet right why wasn't this in the main piece why wasn't this like why didn't you tell the fans you know okay evil captain america is a credible threat as opposed to just being a Hydra jumping off point for the wow factor. I mean, like think about the people who are going to see the who come from the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. Who their first experience with these characters is seeing them in this thing, right? And they're like, oh, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I'm going to go. I saw that movie. I like that movie. I'm going to go find the Guardians book. So you go and you find the books from, you know, those books that, that they were based on. And then you're like, the hell is going on here it's why they didn't i was like they didn't even release them as trades when the movie came out which i thought was very strange until mm-hmm. you realize what they are and then you're like wait who is this guy wait oh no then you ask someone who knows they're like oh no you gotta read this over here to find out and then they just give yeah. up and they don't become yeah. a comics reader you know because it's too different you know at, you know so well, it used to be we- like I, I heard an interview mm-hmm. with with neil gaiman um, I've seen I've seen him read and speak many many times, and one of the things he was talking about was being a comic book fan growing up in England, where they didn't have all the books in continuity, and he liked the old DC books that were standalone stories because they didn't always get consecutive issues, even on the same title. So he liked being able to read a story and finish the story and not having to go. And this is pre-internet, pre you know, you couldn't get some of those things, right? And I think that. Where they get themselves into trouble a lot of the times is doing these big events too often and then not being able not being able to like, you know, I want to get like, oh, you know, Hush or Nightfall, 12 issues. I can read it. I don't even have to have ever read a Batman story before. I can read it. It's done. You know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. A Daredevil, yeah. born, a Daredevil born again. Where, yeah, there's background. You get more out of it if you know the background, if you were a Daredevil reader. But I can read that as a graphic novel, and it's, you know, that's my story. I don't have to read, you know, I could come back to Daredevil two years later if there's another arc that's good and get the next one, you know, read a complete arc in 6 or 12 or whatever, whatever it is. My question to that is, who do you think is worse at it, DC or Marvel? Marvel. I'm sorry, did that come out too fast? No, 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 I, no, I, no, I, I, I agree. Oh, you came out at a perfect time. I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, Mar- I'm, I'm a Marvel baby. I love my Marvel more than DC. I do not like DC. I like Green Lantern. I like uh, Flash. And I'll, I'll, I'll eat me a little Batman, just a little bit, as long as it's written right. All right? Like uh, the new 52 Batman, I only read the Snyder Capullo run. I didn't read any of the DC, uh, the Detective Comics. I didn't read nothing else. Batman and uh, was it Batman and Robin or nothing like that? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't read none of the other stuff. I just read the Snyder stuff. That stuff was incredible. Um, that being said, DC does like you've got the the primary continuity that's pre New Fifty Two. Then you got New Fifty Two. Then you got Rebirth. And I guess in re- within Rebirth, uh, right now, I guess they're kind of maybe doing a little something different. But anyway. Each one lasts like 10 years or so. Marvel, they give up after like five, six issues. And they're like, we'll reboot it right now. <laughs> and yeah. and it's, it's like, excuse me, I'm sorry. We're just getting started. There is Marvel now. There's all, there's all new. 
all different all new all different yep then there's now then there's legacy all yep. within like a two-year span yeah. and it, and it's just like you're gonna you're gonna jump off now i'm just getting used to this writer used used to this character i'm, so, I'm surprised you know. they kept the champions for as long as they did oh my god yeah i, I and, and part of the reason that it's also bugging me so much i stopped reading comics in uh college mm-hmm. uh because that's when i was away from home my dad was the collector um you know college student about that so uh fast forward many years later I got back into comics reading the Jeff Johns GL. Okay. 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 That that's what got me back into comics. Got me back into DC and everything. I read everything DC that was coming out. Um, you know, involving those three characters I mentioned, and uh, then I found out about Marvel Unlimited, and I've been reading Marvel Unlimited for the past five years. Okay. okay. Every day I've read I've read about uh, six thousand comics. Okay. When you mentioned Civil War II, I had like a little thing in the back of my head. Just I was like, oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> because it, it's, it's what Ari said. Ari's over here. All right. So it's what Ari said. Like, I, in order for me to read Civil War II, I had to go and read Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I had to go and read Avengers. I had to go and read Captain America. I had to go and read, like, and then because I didn't read the Captain Marvel 2000, what? 14 series okay. yeah issues one through 11 or 15 or whatever i couldn't start captain marvel 2017 series issues one through 11 yeah. it's like yeah Mar- marvel gives up after like 10 issues for a comic and they're like okay this was uh, this was me- this was a good run it was it was a good run let's uh let's wrap this up uh, it was a good, it was a good run it was it was a good run. yeah yeah, yeah. five yeah. issues i feel like a little more I, I want i want my incredible hulk number 867 all right, I want something long. I don't care I mean, if I have to go back and read it. And that's the thing. I, like, they had long terms. Like, look at Spider-Man. The original Spider-Man yes. had such a long run. Then they had to freaking ruin it. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four had such a great long run, I would say. I think that's an overlooked Well, Fantastic right Four had, like, three, four runs. That's so, <laughs> But at, in the end, what they end up doing is, you know, okay, we're coming up to a milestone this is the 800th ep- issue of like Superman coming yeah. out or, or Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman just hit 750 a couple years ago, right? Yes. So Wonder Woman 750 is coming out. You've gone through like three different reincarnations of Wonder Woman, but we're going to restart the numbering around 742. And then by the time we hit 750, everyone knows that the 750 is out. And it's like, this is a milestone. And Marvel started doing the same thing where it's like, okay, you've been through four or five different X-Men books. But yeah. issue number 700 is coming out soon. So we're going to start renumbering the new current series at issue 690. Yeah. So that when we hit 70 or 700, big milestone event, we can sell it better. And it's like, like uh, I think there was four, three or four different Uncanny X-Men's between 2000 and now. Like mm. three or four different X- uncanny X Men runs, yeah. In between two thousand and now, like issue one to like twenty or fifty or whatever. So, but I'll, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, what Marvel's been doing a good job in, and um, I only know this because I have kids and because they've been marketing these things. They get it from the library. Um, there's actually part of the uh, New York Public Library summer reading pack like if you signed up for the for their summer reading thing for a certain age 
they've been doing these collected trade paperbacks for characters that they're doing other things with. Like I just recently, my daughter got the Loki one. And oh, wow. they got, because it was the Loki show, right? And um, it had four different Lokis, four or five different Loki stories, ranging from like the 60s to like the 2000s to oh, try awesome. to give you an idea of some, and huh. one of them was like, the was in the costume of the classic Loki, you know, that yeah. why no was it? Yeah, was, like, they, who the hell is that, right? Because you know you're watching that show as a kid, you don't you don't know what he looked like. You know they had the one with, um, you know, the famous cover with Thor and uh, the Silver Surfer with the on the Rainbow Bridge, like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. that one was in there. And then there was like this really slick 2000s ones that was that airbrush style type of thing with. Uh, with the um with lady loki and all this right and and it was actually it was actually a really good package for mm-hmm. expl- for grounding you like exactly the kind of thing i was saying like oh i really like tom hiddleston as mm-hmm. as loki and i don't know the comics or whatever and that's a lot of people and i want to go to see like what book can i get that's going to give me the history of loki and tell me who these yeah, characters of these, these, I mean, and, like, and they've been doing those little ones. They have like black and white kind of covers with like only the character. We have a, we have one for Miles upstairs. Um, okay. We have one for um, there's again. I know we have the Loki one. I know we have the Miles one. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't read them all, but we have three or four of them, and they they've been pretty good with that with that kind of thing, especially for something like Loki that's so old. Um, and I think they should do more of that and they should do more of that for for adults. Like one of the things that really like really pissed me off recently. Go ahead, let that, it out, let it out, go ahead. Was, go ahead. Yeah, um, mm. Falcon of the Winter Soldier, they had that whole story with, you know, with, um, you know, with, with the Isaiah Bradley and with, with the, um, you know the the first black Captain America, yeah, all that. And I, you know, I said, okay, I didn't read that. I didn't read that particular thing, and it was like, this is the the it's just a run. So I go to my comic book store and I find out it's called. You know, I find out what it's called. I go in, and I say, do you have this? Like, is there a trade of this that I can get? Because I saw it on the show, I want I want to read it. It's like mm-hmm. there's no trade of that. It's like, okay, can you get me the individual? First of all, stupid, right? You know it's going to be in the show. You know yeah, it's going to be a you, deal. You should do like you know at least a re-release of Red, White, and Black. Right. Like, right. 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 And, then, um, and then I say, okay, what about the individual issues? Can you get me that? He's like, that's going to cost you, like, to get even a readable issue that's going to cost, run, it's going to cost you like three, four hundred dollars to get it. Oh, and I was geez. like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I go on eBay. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe I can, no, he's right. You can't find it for anything like it's one thing to buy, spend 20 bucks on a trade paperback. You're not going to spend $300 to read, you know, um, things like that. They could be, they should do a better job of that with the, well, yeah. uh, the tie ins and things. That's, you know, because I will say, like, I am not the person who has read thousands of issues of Marvel Unlimited. Like, that's just, that's not. I read a lot. Not everything I read is comics. I got back into, I read, you know, my, my orthodontist had Thor and Daredevil, and those were my mm-hmm. guys, especially because it was a Frank Miller run when I was there, and, and I knew the Punisher through Daredevil, and I knew a lot of, and I loved, and I loved Spider-Man when I was a kid. 
Um, and then I kind of, like Chris, got got out of it. And then I got back into it through Neil Gaiman backwards. I read, oh, okay. I read Neil Gaiman's novels. And that eventually, I got into him through, it was Douglas Adams. And then I read Good Omens. And from that, I got both Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And then when I was reading everything Neil Gaiman had written, um, eventually I got to Sandman. And that got me back into the comic store, which was which was relatively new then. Um, you know, I graduated in, in 2000, so we're, we're not that far out. There was still oh, new Sandman stuff um, being made. Um, yeah. So that got me back into the comic shop. And I always found it difficult to, to grab myself. And I read a lot of those types of books also. I loved the Vertigo stuff back then. Okay. Right? okay. You know, Sandman and, uh, and Preacher and, uh, you know, yeah. the, these types of The grittier things. stuff. Yeah, the Dark Horse the dark horse stuff, I mean, yeah. I, I like the Sin City stuff, and um, you know, um, and then, you know, and it was sort of like, you know, that whole group of of British art, British writers and artists that kind of, when you got into Neil Gaiman, you you kind of went mm -hmm. into that, and then, yeah, and then, you know, it was in Garth Ennis and Alan Moore, and like you know, it was just sort of there was like this this whole, and that's how I got back into comics, and I've always found that difficult because i know i'm not going to be reading all i just i just feel a lot of the times like i can't like i can't catch up yeah you know mm. and i, I, and I that's yeah. what i but that's what i appreciate about like say that loki book as i thought that was really good now they did one. Of, they did one of Luke Cage when the uh, Netflix show was on, and that wasn't nearly as good. That was the Haphazard Collection. Okay. Um, so I you feel like it's it hard well. to do stuff like you that. You do it well. I said they did it really well with Loki. They didn't do it as well with Luke Cage, but at least I appreciate the effort that they that they would yeah. have something like that that you that you could do because you want people reading the comics, right? Right. As, as a yeah. comic, I always say like. Even as an independence comics creator, I am loath to criticize Marvel or DC. Like, why would I um, alienate half my audience or my potential right. audience? You know, like um, at the same time, I, I do find it difficult to catch up into a lot of times. You know, you guys are talking about things, and not not just you, but other people who I know through through comics, and because you're reading different comics from the ones that I was reading. And, and I like those characters and I liked those characters before. There were certain things that I've just never caught up on for that reason. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm just, for anyone uh, working at Marvel watching this, I'm not hating on the Marvel stories. I'm not hating whatsoever, all right? I just can't stand your numbering. I can't stand it. <laughs> all right. Because yeah. Now, me, me, now you're gonna get them that everything to be like number ones all across the yeah, board again. Yeah. This is it, this it, is this is where in the video we put the disclaimer. Uh, the views and opinions of Chris Burgess is not the views and opinions of Chris Burgess. Um, yeah, yeah. No. No. Like, this this okay. is what he's gonna be Conan. Like like when, yeah, when yeah. he's yeah. yeah, 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 views and opinions of Conan Burgos is not the same as yeah. Chris Burgos. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, gonna yeah, by, he's gonna be come by to the shows. They're gonna be like, oh yeah, Chris, we, we read your thing. We like really think, you know. What but are thing? you that guy? Are you that guy? <laughs> 
who uh, who no, said that stuff. Don't worry, they're, they're not watching. Us. Yeah. They're not. Uh, don't worry, we'll be yeah. good. No, no. That that was no, first. It, it, Conan with a K. Exactly, and 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 the question correlated to directly who <laughs> reboots better. Yeah, it is true. That is true. But all right. And it, all, all right. right. So before we go, I just want to yes. say one final thing, right? <laughs> to defend DC, right? Um. You know how, like, you. Marvel, you said Marvel has these little, like, anthology books. But what I like about DC is that, because you know they have a very stellar animated, you know, animated universe and things like that. What I loved is when I wanted to know more or read more or do more after the shows ended, DC actually provided for that. You understand? They had a Justice League cartoon um, comic. And they also have a currently a reoccurring Batman Beyond Batman. Um, that is actually really good, a Batman Beyond um, series, right? That that expands so much into that mythos, right? So, so for me, like DC is good as far as that. And then all they do, all they do is instead of rebooting it, they just call it part of the multiverse, right? And just yeah. keep it moving like that. <laughs> Yeah, the DC's, DC's so uh, really since since he defends DC so much, we we can't have that. We can't have him just defending <laughs> DC. So, uh, gentlemen, it was great having you on the show. Uh, you guys are awesome. We have hit yes, that was the power, Sean. We have hit the. You guys have officially hit the two hour mark, uh, surpassing both tone and law <laughs> at this point. There you go. Uh, I definitely. I definitely want to have you guys back on because I feel like talking, we, we can deep dive so much uh, more into CBS as well as into just Marvel, DC, and all the other names that we we, we didn't really mention, also like Dreamwave. Um, but yes, let yeah. people know where they can find you guys at. Um, let them know what tees you guys off. And uh, yeah. You can go for it, Ari. You go for it. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Yep, so I'm A. Ruben. You can find me at the Surreal Ari. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter, most active on Twitter, also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my website, aarubin.com. Also, uh, Comic Book School, comicbookschool.com. Uh, the forums you link directly from the site is create.comicbookschool.com, but it's at Comic Book School on anywhere that you're looking for it. Um, and we'd love to have you join our community and be part of the next anthology. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely with that last piece. Uh, if you want a piece of that action, please, it's free publication and it's free criticism. It's free work, you know, that you can not get anywhere else um, all to make yourself better. So definitely check out uh, comicbookschool.com and everything. Uh, my name is Chris Burgos uh, at talesbeyond.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram at Tales Beyond, on uh, Twitter. I'm still working on that. I'm horrible with Twitter, but it's Live Tales Beyond. Um, and uh, yeah, that's me. And also right. look for our uh, anthology, anthology number two, um, which we'll be releasing at New York Comic Con October 7th. Um, this October 7th through 10th is Comic Con. Um, we should have it up by uh, by then. It'll be a free download from the Comic Book School website. That's cool. awesome. Cool. Do you do you mind if we guys continue to promote that throughout our show? Oh, yeah. We definitely. Okay. Definitely. Right. Oh, perfect. So awesome. We, we will talk more so that way. We can have links for that, and uh, yeah. we'll even do like a promo for you guys. So we're going to send you back to the green room, and we're only if I get. Only if I get the uh, the speedos. You know, you, once again, you gotta let me know the size. You gotta let me know the color. XL. Uh, 
with the loincloth with the loincloth print or the loincloth yeah. or, or even the cheetah print at this point if you, <laughs> if you stay tuned to the two if you watch this episode when it comes out on youtube most likely there will be a graphic of sean luke wearing or his head stapled onto uh different speedos uh, a model wearing different speedos and uh we can go from there yeah so yeah, all right you guys thank you so much ari thank you so much chris Conan, the Conan, for coming on. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys more about the CBS. And uh, take care. We're going to send you back to the green room. Bam. Bam. All right, Sean. So it's just you and me. That was a great episode. Episode that was. 41. Uh, Woo. Keeps getting longer and longer. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think uh, I think we're popular. I think people like to come on and listen to us. Um or at least listen to me. Um, I don't know why. I, I think I'm really boring. Um, uh-huh, not really, sure. a, not really a narcissist, but uh, uh-huh. or, or self-centered. But um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, ladies so, and gentlemen, this has been the G is for Geek podcast. Okay, we're not that classic. All right. <laughs> no, we're not classy. We're not right, ready for that level. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be promoting more of the comic book school on here and anthology in the coming of days uh we will be at nycc what day is that we'll be there saturday saturday we'll be um, there october saturday. 9th thank you i, I forget october saturday 9th? october 9th unless unless by some weird craziness they cancel at the last second oh i mean fingers crossed that they don't uh but we'll be filming a episode of quickotopians or geektopians present uh quickotopians where we uh for those who can't go to the con we pretty much give you our insight and uh mm-hmm. interview different artists creators tables so forth and so forth so look out for that as well as we have a upcoming quickotopians live uh that we'll be doing on facebook.com i believe next week or the yeah about next week well and whenever, we, this is coming out the this is this will air on the 29th yes um so it'll be airing at the same time this is yes uh which uh right now we're playing around with time slots of when we release our episodes last week we released at 8 30 the last episode with law this week we released at five o'clock so let us know what works for you guys on youtube as always you can catch this podcast uh at 6 a.m on spotify itunes stitcher and google play um and if you want to see the the visual version of this or the video version of this at five o'clock p.m on wednesdays um as always i'm charlie radio williams and this is sean luke and as always uh, we are out of here